0: Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can now uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do und- Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show.
1: Fresh is the world. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I
2: keep it fresher and fresh, but you
0: already know. You suckers is me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though we see your kicks and we laugh and yellin' what it goes. you see me shinin' like a suit on puppy you know my grind and shit is too strong buddy that's why the dude
1: call money I be stuntin' like it's nothin' at all cause it's nothin' to me it's probably somethin' to y'all tryin' to smoke like me to come and fuck with your dog got a closet full of kicks you can't and a fresh in the freshest. You can tell it's in my acting. Bitch you feed the way I'm ripping. Yes, I do the shit to death. Until I'm running out of breath, but tell somebody cut a jeopardy the way you know it's fresh, the way. You know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. 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 Fresh guy, let me weep fresh. Fresh. Fresh.
0: Welcome to the first edition of the Beats and Body Slams edition. of fresh is the word. I am your host, Kay Fresh. These are the editions of Fresh is the word that are solely focused on pro wrestling outside the main roster of the WWE. That could be NXT, the Indies, New Japan Pro Wrestling, any other sort of wrestling in Japan, any sort of wrestling in the States, any sort of wrestling in the UK, just pretty much any wrestling that I want to talk about outside the main roster in the WWE. We do me and V Styles do that on the other episode, on the other episodes. You know, we talk about that at length. But I haven't been really been able to talk about any of the indie stuff or the new Japan stuff or even just get wrestlers on the podcast to you know, interview about their thing. But guess what? That has changed. I have a wrestler on this podcast this week. And he he's a wrestler and he also does music too. DJ Z, or some people know him as Zima Ion. He's currently in Impact Wrestling, and you know him from the, from the indie circuits also. Uh, he was gracious enough to uh, you know, spend some time and talk with me for the podcast, and we have a dope interview lined up for, uh, for, uh, for this podcast, for this first Beats and Body Slams edition of the podcast. In addition to the DJZ interview, I'm also going to have, just like the other podcast a discussion portion, and uh, joining me for this time around, and probably joining me on a regular basis, will be Detroit hip-hop artist and one-fourth of the hip-hop group Clear Soul Forces, The Novelist. He was a uh, guest of mine way back in episode, I forget what episode, I'd have to actually look it up, but he we do. He was on the podcast before, and we talked a lot about you know New Japan and stuff. So I got him on the show. We talked about uh, the best of the Super Juniors in New Japan, the Kashida versus Osprey match, and then we sort of re, um, we previewed the upcoming uh, New Japan Dominion uh, event coming up on June 11th. Before we get into the DJZ interview. Like to just remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go freshisthepodcast dot and just uh, share any links from the website on any of your social media. You can also click on the link that says "Support the Podcast" and there's a PayPal link that you can donate to. there's also a Amazon link on the page that if you buy anything on Amazon, go ahead and use that link, and it'll shoot us back a little bit of commission. It doesn't change anything on your end. Also, you can follow Fresh of the Word at on um. Instagram, and Twitter at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word, then the number 1. And then on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast and give us a like on there. And also, there's a slew of places now that you can um, subscribe to Fresh is the Word. iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, MixCloud, Google Play, just um, Stitcher. Just type in Fresh is the Word, and the podcast will come up. You can uh, subscribe to it. You can rate us. You can leave a comment. Do any of that. That would be greatly appreciated. Definitely would help out the podcast. So, with all that said, let's get to the interview with DJ Z. Okay, we're here with uh, DJ Z, pro wrestler, and also he's a musician, DJ, producer, but I... before yeah. we get into like the, because uh, you did send me a uh, a track that you uh, you did about a year ago that has a uh, Conway who just got signed with uh, Shady Records along with a uh, Westside Gun and yeah, the whole Griselda crew. Uh, before we get into that though, definitely want to talk about like the elephant in the room, man. You got injured recently, man. Um, how are you doing, man? You yeah. looks like uh, you, back in the beginning of April in Mexico City, you got injured doing a 450 splash. Uh, looks like you had a fractured colon, which led in, uh, to internal bleeding man um how you how you doing uh yes yeah, so you
2: heard about that
1: <laughs>
0: yeah
2: uh yeah man I, i'm i'm healing up it was a pretty serious injury it's a crazy story to be honest with you the whole story is just insane and i haven't really made it public uh right so kind of kind of kept quiet about it but there's so much of the story that uh would surprise you and a lot of other people listeners anyone in general but uh yeah long story short well, i'll try to shorten it as long as as much as i can <laughs>
1: dude
2: but, take uh, your
0: time
1: <laughs>
2: yeah i i can be a little long-winded at times so, oh no uh, problem you got time in, in advance
1: <laughs>
2: but uh lo- long story short i was on the receiving end of a 450 splash pretty serious impact on my stomach caused me to bleed internally uh Went to the hospital, and they told me that, uh, yeah, I had ruptured my colon, which was causing the internal bleeding. Jeez. And it was it was a serious situation, so they needed to cut open my abdomen, clean out the bleeding. And then I was told they were going to uh, remove the section of my colon that was ruptured and then resection it back together. Ugh. They told me, <laughs> yeah, they told me 80% chance they could do that but 20% chance that they weren't going to be able to do it. And I was going to be stuck rocking a colonoscopy bag for the rest of my life. Jesus
0: Christ. Man. So
2: yeah, that, so I was thinking, Oh great. This could possibly be the end of my wrestling career. But luckily that surgery went well. I uh, was uh, eight weeks ago, actually that I had the surgery, but uh, I ended up getting a CT scan here in Chicago uh, where, I, where I live about Two weeks ago, and uh, the crazy thing was, I got the CT scan. to the follow-up here in the United States. Yeah, uh, you know, I kind of kind of trust the doctors here more than the ones <laughs> in Mexico, maybe, especially after what I'm about to tell you. Right. But, uh, I got a follow-up CT scan here in the United States, and uh, they do the scan, come back with the results, and they tell me uh, we don't know what they did to you in Mexico, but. Our scan shows absolutely no evidence of any kind of resection on your colon. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, wait, what? Like trying to wrap my head around this, trying to make sense of it. And, uh, they're telling me like, if your colon really was resectioned, we would see staples. There's no staples. Like actually your colon looks good. And they're telling me what we think happened to you. They might have opened you up, cleaned that internal bleeding, but we're thinking they must have lied to you about the whole colon resection so they could squeeze more money out of you. What? Then <laughs> Can you believe that?
0: Then what? What <laughs> happened then? What? What did you actually injure?
2: I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, there was like there was internal bleeding for sure. Right. They, they they cleaned that. I lost two liters of blood, like half the blood in my body, and. Uh, I don't know. Like, I really don't know the true story, what's going on here. Like, I've got the x-rays from Mexico. I've got the disc with the CT scan results that I just had in Chicago. I'm going to go to see one more doctor on June 15th to try to get some real answers about this. But I'm still, like, kind of shook over the whole situation. I'm kind of in shock, like, relieved and pissed off at the same time. Like, relieved because – if they didn't resection my colon, then I should be good to get back in the ring like real soon. But uh, I'm pissed off because, like, they just slicked me to get more money. Like, lied. Like, what kind of hospital? You don't want to believe that, like, a hospital and a doctor would do something like this. You don't Definitely. want to believe that, you know. But uh, apparently, that could be the situation I'm I'm looking at right now. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy story. <laughs> oh, shit.
0: But uh are you feeling are you feeling good these days?
2: Yeah, like I mean, I'm back in the gym just doing light work, nothing too crazy yet, but back in the gym, slowly feeling more and more like myself every day. Uh I've been going to wrestling practice, running the ropes, doing a little bit of rolls just to like see how I'm feeling. Uh I'm actually going to attempt to do a wrestling match next week in Pittsburgh against Adam Cole. So we'll see how that goes, like I really shouldn't be in the ring doing that match at all, like not until I get some answers from that doctor, right, which unfortunately that that doctor's appointment is after the match instead of before it, so that's kind of funny, but uh I cut a promo like a week after the surgery, it's on YouTube, and uh I told the wrestling world I'm gonna walk back into a wrestling ring in eight weeks. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be a man of my word and stick to that right or wrong. Like I'm walking back into that ring in eight weeks and, uh, I'm going to see how it goes and show everybody that I'm going to no sell the injury. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right. Right. What, what
2: event did you get injured at? It was the crash. That's a promotion that Conan is like, got a big part in down in Mexico. Okay. It was their debut event in Mexico city. So it was like kind of a big show to be a part of for sure uh i was really excited about the opportunity just unfortunate what happened but i think going forward once i heal up from this i'm going to be a regular part of the crashes events
0: so mexico has not seen the last of me oh definitely definitely what what were your thoughts like when this when this uh, incident happened you know what was going through your mind when you're on the ground there
2: uh man it was uh it's pretty terrifying like I knew something was wrong, like, immediately. Like, when I took the 450, it felt like I got the wind knocked out of me. And after the match, I go back to the locker room, and I, I just laid on the floor, and I couldn't get up. Like, I was thinking, I must have broke a rib or something. But I knew something was wrong. And, like, the part that sucks is nobody even, like, checked on me for about an hour. Like, I just laid on the floor, and nobody – asked me if I was okay if something was wrong like I just laid there in pain turning pale apparently like when finally my boy Ricky Marvin uh, saw me laying there about an hour later and goes yo man are you okay you're white as a ghost and I had to just be real and like usually I try to like act like everything's cool but I know my body and I knew something was like seriously wrong so I told him like bro I'm not good like I need help and he's the one that called the paramedics over, and they put me in the ambulance and sent me to the hospital. But, I mean, there's so much more to that story. But, uh, yeah, thank God I got to the hospital in time because if I would have just tried to be a tough guy and not go, I would have bled to death and you wouldn't be talking to me right now.
0: Right, right, man. Glad you're still with us, man. Yeah, I saw saw the, the video that you were taking on the way to the hospital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you had a Pistons jersey. I'm here. For, I'm here in Detroit, man. <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, there's hey. a Pistons jersey." <laughs> so yeah. But um, once you were um, you know, once you got out of surgery, you know, how were you feeling just after surgery? But whatever they did to you.
2: Uh, well, dude, the the first few days, I was in the hospital for five days. The uh, first couple of days were rough, man. Like I could not. I shouldn't say I could not. I was not allowed to eat or drink for the first three days. So I just sat in this hospital bed starving, bro. Like unable to eat for three days. Uh, Couldn't even drink water. Just chilling, bro. Couldn't even really like get up and walk. I got up and walked like 24 hours after the surgery just to like prove that I could. I got a video of that that I had uploaded onto my Instagram and Twitter and all that. But that was just me being defiant and like showing that, Hey man, like I'm going to walk, like just to show you guys, like it's going to take a lot more than some internal bleeding to keep me down. But, uh, yeah, like it was a rough first few days, man. I think on the fourth day in the hospital, I was finally allowed to eat Jello, and, uh, the fifth day, uh, I was able to like drink water and eat a little bit more, Uh, It was rough, though. When I got out of the hospital, I tried to just no-sell the injury and, like, go about life like normal. I'm trying to go walk around Mexico City and, like, do things as if I wasn't hurt. But uh, that was a terrible idea because I was, like, fainting in the streets, and I didn't know what was wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm over here trying to, like, go sightseeing and stuff like that, and I'm fainting in the street, and – I ended up going back to the doctor just to see, like, hey, is there something like wrong? Because I've been fainting, legit. And he goes, well, you did lose two liters of blood,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. so, going to take some time for that to all build back up, man. Oh, it was terrible too. I forgot. I just remembered this too. Like my hands, you know that like tingly feeling when uh, your like hand, the foot falls asleep. Yes. I had that feeling in my hands 24-7 for about two or three weeks. Oh. But that's also because of the the blood that, you know, I had lost. So I thought something was really wrong because I'm fainting and my hands are numb. And I'm like, dude, like, this ain't right. But apparently that's just because of all the blood that I lost. Now we're good. I got feeling in my hands. I'm not fainting. Like, we're out here.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So, like you said before, you're going to try to make your return on uh, June 10th. uh ICW in Pennsylvania. They're super indie sixteen. Uh, your uh first fight's gonna be against uh Adam Cole. Man, are you excited to get back in the ring? Uh
2: no. <laughs> I'm actually like pretty nervous, terrified. I, I I shouldn't be doing it. Like I'm probably putting myself at some serious risk here, but I think I can handle it. Like I consider myself a true professional wrestler. In every sense of the word and to me like if I'm really a professional I should be able to go in there and have a match with Adam Cole and protect myself and walk out of there in one piece you know I just got to wrestle smart right so I'm gonna try my best in, in a way it's me just kind of like testing myself and looking at it as a challenge like okay we know I probably shouldn't be wrestling right now like we know I might not even be a hundred percent but let's just see if we're really that good that we can go in there, have a competitive match while working around the
0: situation. So we'll see how it goes. Definitely. Are you still uh, currently with uh, Impact Wrestling?
2: Yeah, I'm still under contract with Impact Wrestling. Uh, Yeah, Unfortunately, the injury uh, happened a week before we were taping TV in Orlando, so I wasn't able to go down there, obviously, and they just went to India. I'm hoping july when they do more tapings in orlando that i will be back by then 100 percent. say a prayer for me
0: so yeah i'll be back on impact eventually definitely you've um you know for the past five or six years you've been one of the guys who've been sort of in the center of that x division in impact um and you know there's all you know there's always things that are said about impact wrestling but what's your thoughts about your time at impact especially right now when they're with the new management, they're giving a lot of opportunities to to those, to those X division type talent that, that have been on the Indies recently. So you're seeing a lot of new faces coming coming into the, the company right now. But, you know, what's been your uh you know, your perspective on your time at Impact Wrestling?
2: I mean, it's been a great experience for me personally. Impact Wrestling took a chance on me when I was twenty four years old. And if we're gonna be real, like I don't think I was really that good of a wrestler until a couple of years ago. So they took a chance on me when I was like real green and still learning the business. And instead of looking at me as like, ah, dude, this guy ain't ready. Like they kind of let me work out the kinks and uh, become a better wrestler there. You know what I'm saying? Like through house shows, through pay-per-views, every opportunity that I got early in my career with them, it's helped me become a better wrestler and the wrestler that I am today. You know what I'm saying? and i've never had a real job i've never had a nine to five i've only wrestled for impact wrestling that's been my living for the last six seven years now so despite the ups and downs the roller coaster ride that company's on sometimes like i really can't say nothing bad because they're letting me live my dreams you know what i'm
0: saying great when did you first uh, make the decision that you wanted to become a wrestler
2: uh, man, you know, I had a couple of different runs with professional wrestling growing up as a fan. Like, I liked it when I was a kid, really young, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, as I got a little bit older, I kind of fell out of love with it. I got into school and for a minute, wrestling wasn't the cool thing anymore. And I got more interested in basketball, hip hop, like different things like that. And wrestling kind of took a back seat. But when that attitude era came around, I started watching again. But you know, what's funny is I didn't start watching it because of uh, the actual wrestling. I got back into wrestling because of the girls, man. <laughs> because, of the, because of the divas.
1: Like I'm not even kidding. Like
2: I, I would be in. I would be in school, and kid, kids in my school are telling me about Sable and Deborah. Like, dude, she's gonna show her puppies. Like any any week now, it's gonna happen. And that's what got me back into wrestling. I'm like, yo, man, like. I'm at an age where I'm about to hit puberty. Like, this is what I want to see. Like, I want to see Debra's puppies. I want to, like, go on the internet and find those stable Playboy pictures. Like, that's what I was all about. Right. And that's what got me back into wrestling. But as my thirst to see boobs uh, grew by the week, I'm tuning in, waiting and waiting and waiting. I actually started to appreciate the wrestling side of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like,. <laughs> I was watching wrestling so much just trying to see some tits that I ended up like actually getting interested in the storylines of the characters and uh, the athleticism. Right. So then it became like, oh, well, now I'm watching Rob, now I'm watching Nitro too, and I'm seeing Cruiserweights and seeing what they're doing, and I'm just becoming like a fan all over again. And when I got the internet around age 13 – Game over, bro. When I got the internet and I was able to get on there and discover Japanese wrestling and Mexican wrestling, buy tapes. Right, man, it was a whole different ball game, and everything changed for me. Like I just became this like super like wrestling nerd, trading tapes with people all over the country, and just spending all my free time uh, watching wrestling tapes alone in my bedroom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who is your who is your, um, who is your favorite diva? <laughs> uh,
2: like Trish Stratus is always going to be bae for me. Like, oh, yeah. I remember, dude, when I had the internet, when I was a kid, I don't know why. I just assumed that like every celebrity chick had posed nude. So I would spend, <laughs> I would spend hours, bro, on my computer I'm looking up Mariah Carey nude pictures. I'm looking up Aaliyah nude pictures. <laughs> I'm trying to see uh, Trish Stratus nude pictures. I'm I, I just assumed every chick had posed nude and gave my computer so many viruses going to all these shady websites that were like <laughs> making me think that they had some pictures, but right. it's probably just photoshopped or non-existent. But uh, yeah, dude, my thirst was very serious for Trish Stratus when I was a kid, so she's always going to be number one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure you're not the only one during that time.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I mean, to be real, like, I thought they were all hot. Like, it wasn't just Trish. Like, I mean, De- Deborah. Like, I, I had a thing for Deborah. I think it was like the whole like businesswoman outfit with the the mad cleavage exposed. Like, something right. about her and that Southern accent I thought was cute. So, like, had a
0: thing for her. Stacy Keibler, uh, dude. You know, like the same ones that we all liked. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned, you know, uh, you know, once you got the Internet, you're able to, you know, get exposed to uh, more wrestling. You know, what was some of your favorite, uh, you know, wrestling companies or matches or, what, or wrestlers that you were able to discover during that time?
2: Man, you know, what's weird is, like, I never really had favorite wrestlers growing up. Right. Uh, I think I think I was just kind of into wrestling, you know, like the athleticism. I just liked seeing the athletes and the cool things that they were pulling off. You know, like there wasn't one guy that ever like jumped out at me and I was like, that's my favorite wrestler. But, uh, when I started following Japanese wrestling, Mexican wrestling, the independent scene, uh, CZW was actually like a pretty like influential company for me as a child, like, uh, or as a teenager, rather, uh, the shit they were doing in 2001, like amazing red and the SATs, uh, the Briscoes, when they were, like, 19, 20 years old, however old they were. Yeah. Like, Trent Acid, Like, these guys, like, they were influences on me. Uh, pretty much the whole, like, East Coast independent scene, uh, like, around 2001, 2002, early Ring of Honor. All that stuff, like, that's what was going on when I was a teenager, and that's the stuff I was interested in. And I really just wanted to be like those guys. I grew up watching... The independence, and I was like, "Yo, this is what I want to do. I want to be an independent wrestler. I want to travel the world. You know what I'm saying? Just like these guys are doing innovative moves and having five star matches. Like that's that's what I wanted, man. So yeah, I would say CCW was a big influence early on. Uh, I was really into like Japanese junior heavyweight wrestling, like Torimon, which was, uh, I guess, the uh, the company before it became Dragon Gate. Okay, so. Tori Mon was a big influence. There was actually a, a promotion, a very short-lived promotion called T2P, which was like all like crazy chain wrestling, like <laughs> way before anybody was like doing it. Uh, that company was like a very big influence on me too. And uh, yeah, dude, it was just like mind-blowing. You go back and watch some T2P stuff. I'm sure there's a little bit on YouTube, but uh, like just still, it holds up today. Just lightning fast chain wrestling Uh, out-of-this-world submissions. And what's the craziest thing about that is T2P was so influential on me, and the guy, the luchador that trained all those T2P kids, this dude named Skyday, like a Mexican luchador who's just a wizard on the mat, he's the guy that trained literally the entire roster. Like, what's so crazy, like, 14-, 15-year-old me would be so proud. Today, like... I'm training with Sky Day. Like, he's my coach in Chicago. Oh, nice. I think, I think, like, the teenage Michael Paris would be really proud to know that we got to train. Kids. So, yeah, those are some influences for sure. Right. How are you able to break into business? Uh, dude, I know, that's another weird story, man. I'm full of them. But uh,
0: <laughs>
2: the uh, – so – Fun fact, I designed the original Ring of Honor logo. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so when I was 15 years old and designing that logo got me some free wrestling tapes. And it also got me free tickets to any Ring of Honor show that I ever wanted to go to. I only took advantage of that a couple of times, but one of those times was the first Ring of Honor show in Pittsburgh. 2003, it was called Revenge of the Prophecy. I went to the show, uh, stuck around after the show to mark out and meet some wrestlers. And I met CM Punk and Cole Cabana. And the, these are dudes that I watched on a lot of independent tapes. And I talked to them for a minute and I asked them, like, what do I got to do? Like, What do you suggest? And they were like, where are you from? I'm like, right here, Pittsburgh. And they're like, well, here, come meet this guy. They introduced me to a promoter named Norm Connors who ran the international wrestling cartel. In Pittsburgh, this man had a hot independent promotion in the area, and he had a wrestling school. So he gave me all the info, and a few months later, I was joining that wrestling school, and the rest is history, man. So
0: IWC, where I'm wrestling on June 10th, actually. Awesome. Still going strong today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. During, um, you know, during your whole career as a pro wrestler, you know, do you have a favorite match or a couple favorite matches that you've been involved in that kind of stick out in your mind? man like there's been so many like
2: uh i'll say matches that i'm like proud of like i'm proud of my match with rob van dam at bound for glory 2012 just because like i don't know if like tna at the time really saw much value in me and that was a situation where they put me in there with a big name, Rob Van Dam. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting the show. Like we're setting the tone for the evening and it was a big crowd in Phoenix, Arizona. And I had never wrestled Rob Van Dam in my life. And I just looked at this as a big opportunity. And I went in there and yeah, dude, we tore the house down and probably the biggest compliment that I could have ever received was after that match, Rob Van Dam came up to me and said, man, that felt like we'd done that a thousand times before. So that meant the world to me because the first time literally we had ever locked up in a wrestling ring. So for him to tell me it felt like we did it a thousand times, that was a huge like endorsement pat on the back. And I felt like it kind of like proved to TNA at the time, like, you know, this guy's got a lot more to offer than just hairspray. Like he can go. And uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm still trying to prove that to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I think I've got more to offer than just flips. You know what I'm saying? Flips, hairspray, DJ Airhorns, like whatever the job may be in a professional wrestling setting. I'm confident that I can handle it. So that match is special to me. Uh, some matches I've had in the last year mean a lot to me. Uh, me and Trevor Lee at Bound for Glory 2016. That mm-hmm. match like holds a special place in my heart. Similar situation where uh, we were the first match on the show. They actually announced the match like last minute, like the day before the show. Okay. So it was kind of like a it was, was kind of like a throwaway match. Like it, they hadn't been building it on TV. It was like, oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna have an X Division title match, Trevor Lee and DJZ, and uh, they actually gave us time. Like you watch Impact, and a lot of the matches, X Division matches rather, they're only getting like five six minutes. I think they gave me and Trevor Lee like. 15 minutes or something like that. So we were really able to put together like a nice little story and, uh, have a nice back and forth match. And there's a lot of controversy surrounding that pay-per-view. Uh, that was, I think around the time when like people were saying TNA was going to go out of business and like the pay-per-view was going to get canceled. There's a lot of discussion about bound for glory was about to be canceled because they couldn't get the money or whatever. Like, I don't know the whole situation. But people weren't talking about the matches necessarily. They were talking about the backstage controversy. Right. And they kind of put some pressure on me and Trevor Lee to make people forget about all the controversy. Like, guys, just go out there and have a killer match. Uh, Do whatever you want to do. Just make these people forget about the BS and make them focus on the wrestling. And I felt like they picked
0: the right guys for the job. Yeah, Trevor Lee is a hell of a worker. Hell yeah, man. Maybe he's the future of wrestling, in my opinion. Oh, definitely, definitely. All right. You were, you were born in uh, Manila in the Philippines, correct? Oh, not like for real. Oh, not for real? <laughs> my, okay.
2: My, my background, like my heritage is Filipino my, on my mom's side, uh, but I was not born in the Philippines. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I've actually never I've actually never been there. Uh, maybe one day, though, I hope.
0: Okay. So you're from Chicago? That's where i live now yeah i'm originally from like pittsburgh pennsylvania area oh okay all right cool cool yeah one of the uh you know one of the other things about you that you know and i mentioned it at the opening of this uh interview was that DJ Z isn't just a wrestling gimmick you actually are a dj and a music artist
2: yeah absolutely <laughs> uh it's something that i do now more for fun it's not like i'm trying to uh, be a world famous DJ or multi platinum producer. Like, I'm not really trying to do that. It's more so something that I just do for fun, like on the
0: side. Right. But, uh, yeah, man,
2: I I I do have a legitimate background in
0: Definitely. Yeah. When did you uh, you know, first get into you know being a musician?
2: Man, it, dude, it was always like a dream. But, uh, I mean, are you are you a musician as well? Oh, yeah. I'm a DJ. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you, uh, you, you're going to understand totally what I'm talking about. Like, it ain't cheap, bro. Like, <laughs> right. to be a DJ, to be a producer, to be a musician in general, is a very expensive hobby to have. Right. And uh, as a kid, like, I remember emailing DJs. It was always like a dream. Like, I remember being 12, 13 years old and emailing DJs and asking them, like, what do I need to do to get started? And at the time they probably told me, you know, you're going to need some techniques, 1200. You're going to need a Vestex mixer. Like I remember like reading those emails and then looking up how much those things cost. And when you're a 13 year old kid, yeah, you see the price of all that stuff. Like I pretty much just put that dream on the back burner. when I saw how much it all costs. Like, Yikes. You're I right. I from a poor family, like single mother, like ain't no way she's going to be able to afford you know that equipment for me at the time and uh even if she she did like as a kid I didn't grow up in like the inner city I wasn't around other DJs it's like I would have had to teach myself everything so it was a long time coming man like I always wanted to learn how to DJ but I was just never in a situation where I could have learned how to do it and same with producing like I remember Downloading like bootleg versions of like Fruity Loops when right. I was a teenager <laughs> and just looking, just looking at that like program and just being overwhelmed. Cause I had no idea exactly. like, how to use it or even how to start using it. You know, at, at the time there was not YouTube, there was no tutorials, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, uh, so it was just like always a dream, but just one that I never really thought was going to be attainable for me. And I focused on wrestling instead, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, as, as technology has uh, caught up with us here, it's a lot easier these days to learn how to DJ, learn how to produce music, make your own beats, like it's become a lot easier. And I would say around 2012 is when I was finally in a situation financially uh, where I could make this dream a reality. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, As fate would have it, I lived in Washington, D.C. at the time, and I remember, like, Googling, like, uh, DJ lessons. I was like, I don't know anybody. Like, the only DJ that I knew at the time was a friend of mine in college who ran this party in New York City called Basement Saturdays at Webster Hall. Yeah. His name is DJ Subset. Uh, Now he's out in Seattle doing, like, a new party. But, like, he's become very successful in, like, bass music, dubstep, and that kind of scene. Okay. But uh, but he was the only DJ that I knew. So I hit him up, and I was like, listen, man, like, I want to make this happen. What do I got to do? And he told me that he went to a DJ school in New York City, and that's how he learned. And I was like, okay. So I looked up DJ school, Washington, D.C., as fate would have it this dj school in washington dc just happened to be 10 minutes down the road from where i lived and the guys running the class were like dmc world champions like dj id there's another guy named dj trays who uh is like a red bull three style champion uh like so some pretty like top guys to learn the art form from you know what i'm saying yeah so i just i just looked at that as like listen man like if i ever wanted to learn how to do this like this is the time these are the right guys to learn from. So uh, I just jumped into school and uh, started learning the basics, the fundamentals, controlling records, scratching, uh, mixing, obviously. So I, I learned these fundamentals from them and, uh, you know, just kind of took the ball and ran with it, started doing some some gigs here and there in the D.C. area. And then eventually I moved to Chicago and made it a more serious thing and started uh, learning how to produce music as well. And I think that's where I found, like, my true calling, my real passion, like DJing was fun. I enjoyed it. But like, to me, like producing music, making my own beats, like that's the real passion that I got.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I came up uh, in the DJ culture here in Detroit in like the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s when I started. And back then that was before any like, yeah, tutorials. um, The, it was still, you know, most everybody was still DJing with vinyl Uh, There was wasn't no final scratch or serato, so like you had to like learn everything by yourself, basically. You know, people could show you things, but you're still like like doing everything yourself and got to just sit there and like practice and figure out your mistakes by yourself, man. So yeah, it 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 did take a lot, you know, you know, like ten plus years ago to really even get that first, you know, you know that first comfort level in DJing.
2: Yeah. So it's got to be bittersweet for you to see that, like, you can now today, present day, you can just like watch a YouTube tutorial or go to a DJ school and you can learn a, a baby scratch in a day, as opposed to how long it probably took you, you know, ten, right. 10 12 years ago.
0: Right, so Man, Back then, you'd be like,
2: bleeding in a way, but but right. like to me, if there's any like old heads that like hate on that, my like thing to them is uh like. I think you would have taken advantage of it too. If the opportunity was available back then, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's just
0: like, it's, definitely. A, it's
2: all timing, but uh, yeah, I mean, being in Detroit too, man, you got a whole scene out there, like Detroit techno, man, like there's history, there's roots in Detroit, you know what I'm saying? Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you, you had DJs that you could have like, you know, learned from and uh, some guys that could have mentored you, influenced you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wish I had that growing up, man. But uh, where I was in the uh, the suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, just wasn't anything like that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, here in Detroit, yeah, it's it, like the DJs are still around and you bump into them, like, regularly. Like, they're just there, you know. And and for the most part, everybody's always been very, like, comfortable with showing the younger talents how to do things, you know. And, you know, they'll even rib them, you know. They'll, you, they'll rib them you know like how wrestlers rib other wrestlers DJs will rib other DJs and stuff just for fun and whatnot but oh, yeah, of course. there's definitely but there there's definitely a, a rich like DJ record culture here in Detroit that has always been be, at least between the actual DJs has always been pretty tight knit and very helpful you know uh yeah that's awesome so man. so it's, been, it's it's always been super cool you know you can always there's there, there is resources here there's always been to where you know just at least the DJs themselves it might not you know go past that towards the whole music scene or whatnot as as a, as sort of generations of you know musicians and artists and fans kind of go through the scene but at least for the DJs themselves you know it's always been pretty tight net and they sort of kind of take you know young younger talent under their wing Hell yeah, man. Hey, did you go to the Movement Festival? This is the first year that I didn't go to the Movement. I've been there <laughs> every year since, like, 2000. At least for the first, like, maybe, like, five or six years of it, I'd only go for, like, they, they used to, for the first maybe, like, four or five years, they would have, like, one day that they would have all the hip-hop stuff. And, like, that was the oh, okay. day, that was the day that I would go. But then as, like maybe around like 2004, 2005, I started going for the whole weekend. And cause that was around 2004, 2005 is when I was like expanding my horizons beyond just hip hop and like, yeah, and then sort of getting myself into like other forms of electronic music. And I would go there to like actually see like these big names like DJ or do a live set or whatever for the first time. And like, that's what was so cool about it. This was this this oh, year. Yeah. Was, this was the first year that I didn't go. Uh, I just was wasn't didn't feel like I needed. Actually, I just needed the time off because my bi- my whole month was super busy. So I just wanted to relax the whole yeah. weekend. But um, yeah, Movement Festival has always been a a favorite of mine. It's like my favorite time of the year, and it's so unique compared to the other festivals out there.
2: Yeah, it's definitely on my bucket list. So I hope one of these years I'm gonna actually get to go. Probably have to do that soon because like the older I get uh the patience I have to do a day-long festival is just wearing thin. I gotta tell you man dude <laughs> I'm there
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm there man like last year I did a bunch of like rock festivals and everything along with movement and then like this year I was just like I don't know if I want to do these rock festivals and anything. but the thing is all the festivals that I've wanted to go to thus far this year have been plagued with rain and storms. And I'm like... Oh, wow. And I'm like, I'm kind of glad I didn't go because I'd probably leave there with pneumonia or some sort of fucking sickness and be sick for a week Yeah, after man. That.
2: And, like, <laughs> dude, tickets to these festivals are getting expensive, too. Right. You imagine, you drop a few a few hundred on a ticket and then you get there and it just rains and
0: storms the whole day. Like, oh, <laughs> that sounds miserable. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. How did you... um? You know, when you started getting into uh, actually producing music, you know, how did you get into that? What were you using? You know, what were some of your influences and in the music that you were making?
2: So uh, I, I had a pretty interesting like story with the whole uh, producing side of things. Uh, I started with Ableton Live. When I was in DJ school in D.C., I had inquired to uh, one of the DJs there, a guy named DJ Rags. I had asked Rags about producing. And he was like, well, to me, the most difficult, uh, platform to learn is Ableton. So as soon as he told me that was the most difficult, I'm like challenge accepted. Right. So, (laughs) so I went out and bought Ableton live, uh, didn't even have the money to do it, but I was just so like driven and hungry and, uh, enthusiastic about learning that, uh, I just went out and put that shit on my credit card and I grabbed Ableton live and, uh, Again, just like when I downloaded Fruity Loops as a teenager, <laughs> overwhelmed. I, I looked at Ableton, I was like, I have no idea what right. I'm looking at. <laughs> Rags showed me a little bit of things, still had no idea. Like and I didn't grow up in a musical household. I did not grow up playing piano or drums or whatever. Like I didn't have that growing up. Right. So it was even more overwhelming for me. Bro, you know how like how, how inexperienced. I was, I didn't know the difference between a kick and a snare. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's how, like, that's how low level I started. I didn't even know like the difference. So it was quite a journey for me. And like, I look back on it now and I'm like, damn dude, when I started like uh, with Ableton, that was 2012. Here we are five years later and I'm like producing tracks like that one that I sent you with Conway. It's like, damn, we did that all in five years. We went from not knowing what a kick and a snare was to producing, like, straight up, like, hip-hop tracks with rappers, like, on the tracks. Like, I'm pretty proud of that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I think there's, like, there's something to be said for that, you know? Like, if you really, like, are hungry and want to learn how to do something, like, even if you have no experience, like, if you work hard enough and, like, devote yourself to it, like, you can make it happen, you know what I'm saying? So... So yeah, Ableton, bro, like I learned Ableton inside and out. I eventually, uh, I ended up going to school for Ableton as well. I jumped in with uh dub spot, which was a electronic music school out in New York city. The one right. that my boy subset had actually like learned everything from. So I, I, I jumped in at Dubspot, and, uh, they had an Ableton live course and it just really taught you the ins and outs of that program. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, I got into like making a little bit of like house music and uh, stuff like that. But I started watching this series on YouTube. This was probably around like 2013, 2014. I started watching this series on YouTube called Rhythm Roulette. It's a mass appeal show on YouTube. Yes, I don't yeah. know if you've seen it before. Yeah, have seen it. Yeah. But uh, like I started watching that and I got inspired Because, like, I was just, like, again, like, I'm still learning how to use Ableton. I'm still learning how to, like, make music. But when I saw the Mass Appeal show, Rhythm Roulette, and the way these guys were flipping vinyl samples, that just, like, inspired me in some way. I was like, you know what, man? Like, maybe I should, like, focus more on hip-hop. Maybe that's, like, the route I should go. Because I like the idea of reimagining these samples, you know, giving them a second life, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just flipping them and creating something totally new. And I'm like, let's be real. If I want to make like house music or whatever, like I don't know how to play piano. Like I don't know music theory. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm not a musician. So I'm going to have like a real hard time, you know, making anything decent. But this idea of like sampling vinyl, making hip hop beats, which is like, to me, I was like, well, that's great. Cause like, I've always loved hip hop. So man, when I, when I started watching rhythm roulette, I was like, dude, maybe that's what I need to do. And it ended up being like exactly what I needed. I started sampling vinyl and, uh, having so much fun with it, man, making hip hop beats. And that's pretty much like what I've been focused on ever since, like three, four years now. And, uh, yeah, dude, we making beats all the time, man. Like Ableton's like a video game for me. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so yeah, dude, love to flip vinyl. Uh, I, I've, I've done, i did some projects where like I, uh, I would sample vinyl, but like make a whole track out of using only like samples from vinyl. Like, I wasn't using the same like packs that everybody was using. I'm not using the Lex Luger drum kit, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, I saw it more as a challenge. Like, well, let's find like some samples for like on vinyl, for, like every part of the song. I'm going to find the kick from a vinyl record. I mean, that's how we used to snare, do. It. The hi hat, <laughs> like everything. Yeah. And like just, just for a challenge, you know what I'm saying? And uh, like, yeah, that that was,
0: like, really fun for me. So, like, yeah, dude, that's, that's what we do now, like, sampling all day. Definitely. Yeah, I, I've only been, like, during my, my time in music, I've only been, you know, DJing. I never got into producing. But recently, I did kind of get the itch to sort of learn something. So I did uh, get me a uh, Native Instruments uh, Machine Micro. So I am, like, oh yeah. I am in the middle of, like, learning how to use that. You know, I just, start, I just got it recently, so I'm watching some t- tutorials and, like, just seeing how everything works on there. But it looks like this, like, and definitely with, like, a lot of technology, but with, like, the, the, the machine and the machine micro and, like, the interface on, on the computer, the program, it very much, like, I feel like it's very close to how I think about things. So that's why I kind of like it. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, man. So you got to find what works for you. There's so much like technology out there now, you know what I'm saying? There's so many devices, whether that's a machine, Ableton push, like there's just so much out there. It's like, you know, you got to like find what works for you. Like I got an Ableton push, but like that didn't really work for me. You know what I'm saying? now like, dude, what I use a lot of the time now is like a little like novation, like uh launch pad. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, then that's what works for me, you know what I'm saying? So you just got to find, like,
0: what you're comfortable with and, like, what uh, helps you get the sounds in your head, like, out, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. When you were young, you know, what What, what sort of music were you listening to? Dude, just a whole mess of stuff, man. Like, <laughs> uh
2: you want to hear something, like, crazy? Dude, I'll tell you a crazy-ass story. Okay. Uh, the first CD I ever owned, you know, like – I hear, like, friends of mine, especially, like, music friends of mine, and they'll talk about, like, yeah, the first, like, cassette tape they ever bought, first CD they ever bought. It's always something cool. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, always. The <laughs> dude, dudes are like, yeah, dude, Wu-Tang Clan, first, like, CD I ever bought. Like, whatever it is. Like, and I'm like, man, I really wish I was as cool as y'all because. I don't the know, CD man. First CD I ever bought. <laughs> first CD I ever bought. And don't ask me why because I couldn't tell you. I wasn't waiting to exhale. Soundtrack, the first <laughs> CD I ever owned in my life. Why the hell would I buy that?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. Like that's embarrassing, dude. bro. Hey, yeah, you got to do you, man. You you know
2: shit. <laughs> do you? I think I was like eleven. I think eleven years old, man. And I was jealous because like my neighbor, like this, this this dude, uh, he was spoiled. He had a CD player, which, I mean, for me and my broke family, like, dude, CD player was, like, out of the question, you know? Right. I was, like, I was getting music by a cassette tape and hitting record on a radio station when I heard a song that I
1: liked. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's uh, how I I used to do it, yeah. Like,
2: that's how I was, like, getting music, because my mom was not able to afford, you know, CDs or a CD player. Right. But, uh, yeah, around age 11, I got lucky, and uh, my mom finally got me a CD player, and I got to choose one CD, man, and... I don't know why, but <laughs> I chose the waiting to exhale soundtrack. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but as far as like, like music that I was into as a kid, dude, just a whole mess of stuff, man. Like, uh, like when I th- I think back to it now, it's like Eminem was definitely like a favorite of mine. I remember being 12 years old and, uh, getting the Marshall Mathers, like, uh, LP or the Slim Shady LP is the first one, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, twelve years old that's to this day, like the only c d that my mom ever took away from me for like bad language and stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> but that just made that that made me like want to listen to it more, you know that made me a of bigger course. fan and uh but it wasn't just like hip hop stuff like I was into everything, man, like I remember being eleven twelve years old, and i I got into Marilyn Manson, yeah, and at the time it was like for like, a similar reason, like because it was like. So, Taboo, like, I remember, like, uh, friends of mine were like, yeah, we can't listen to Marilyn Manson. My mom said he worships the devil, and that made me want to listen to him more. So, like, uh, there's just something about, like, people that were, like, rebellious and like, stuff that I wasn't supposed to, like, listen to Right. that made me want to listen to it even more, you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone from Eminem, Marilyn Manson, uh, dude, even Insane Clown Posse. Actually, I remember like yeah. getting the Great Malenko when I, dude, you remember Columbia House where you'd get like twelve CDs yeah. for like a penny or something yes. like that, bro? I discovered so much music as a kid because of that. Like if if the if the album cover looked interesting to me, right? I might I, I might get it, and that's what happened with like ICP when I was like twelve years old. I saw the Great Malenko on Columbia House, didn't yes. even know what it was, and I was like, yo, know, I like that cover, that artwork, and uh, I got that, man, so like, yeah, I guess I grew up listening to a little bit of Detroit hip-hop as well, but... Yeah, uh, I'm a big
0: ICP fan, I don't care, ways. I don't care, anybody say, I don't care, I don't care, I've been an ICP fan since, like, I was 12 years old, That was like, 93, 94, I don't care, I'm a big ICP fan, and I don't, and everybody knows. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but it's like, I mean, dude, they're still around today. You know what I'm saying? Like, the mm-hmm. whole gathering of the Chuckles, like, it's incredible, like, right. what they've created, that fan base, and the fact that, like, they're still going strong all these years later. You, you've got to give them props for that. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, uh, dude, I was into No Limit Soldiers when I was a kid, like, Master P, bro. Oh, yeah. That was another big one for me. Uh, just so much, man. If, if it was, like, on MTV, uh, if, if they were writing about it in, like, uh, uh, the Source magazine, like, I was probably going to check it out, man. Right,
0: like, me too. I had a
2: subscription of The Source when I was a kid. Yep. So I found out about a lot of hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? Through The Source, uh, I, dude, Mace, was a, I was a big fan of Mace, too. I remember that, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, like that's funny. I remember, like, I, I had I had a poster of that dude on my wall. But, uh, yeah, like, P. Diddy Mace, like, there's times when, like, I forget, like, how influential, like, Bad Boy Records was to me as a kid. Like... Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't ever like think of them as like a favorite artist of mine growing up, like P Diddy or Mace or whatever. But like, when I think back to them, I'm like, no man, like I rocked with a lot of their records and I bought a lot of those albums. Like, oh, I definitely.
0: Did. Definitely. That's how you know bad know boy saying? was. They like, were that influential. They were influential in that way where you don't realize they were influential, but they were mad influential to that, to that generation in that era.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's like I, I've, I've come to realize that recently. Like, dude, like I I was a big fan of like Puff
0: Daddy back in the day, man. Like, I wanted a shiny suit so bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got close with that globe uh, thing that you wear and a the ring, you know? So, hey, <laughs> oh, dude, wait, till you see the new,
2: wait, you see the new stuff I got coming out with. Like, when I get back from this injury, I've got a new like costume I'm gonna start wearing to the ring next level bro like nobody in wrestling has have anything like it so uh, stay tuned for that it's going to be crazy it's going to be like daft punk like meets dead mouse meets i don't know man just just wait it's gonna be crazy
0: <laughs> yeah right and and yeah, tell until impact didn't they, they need to like market that shit make some merch you know make some masks you know djz masks or some shit i was telling our mutual yeah, friend dude, lane so i was Wayne like an
2: action for i was
0: like yo 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 get some merch i want i want a I want a djz mask like the the sequin ball, the you know, the glitter ball thing, man. I want a DJZ mask, uh, dude, man. Dude, just wait for the new one, man. <laughs> like the, the new mask I'm
2: coming out with if, if if like, if they were smart, they would make a mask to sell to people because it's like, if you want a Halloween costume, wait till you see my new gear that I got coming. Like, that would be a great Halloween costume for real. So we'll see, man. Hopefully something like that happens. <laughs> Definitely. What do you? Um, what music are you listening to these days? Dude, a whole mess of stuff. Like. Dude, I've been really into, like, Atlanta's trap scene the last couple of years. Yeah. Like, like Future, man. I listen to a lot of Future these days. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, if, if you look at my Spotify right now, it's 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 quite a mess of just, like, hip-hop. <laughs> it's different areas. A lot of it is Atlanta, though. Like, uh, a lot of the producers that I like, like, uh, I mean, TM88's probably my favorite, like, producer out of Atlanta and that whole trap scene. I like what he does, uh... So, like, if it's his beats, I'm probably listening. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Michael made it. Obviously, guys like Zaytoven. Like, I love Gucci. Like, I love Atlanta. Like, dude, I also do Atlanta. Like, still. And uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe Trap might be a little played out at this point. It's been going on for a couple years. But I still love that sound. Like, that still makes my head nod. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, dude, Atlanta Trap music for sure. Yeah. most have been getting into like uh yeah, dude Conway, West Side Gun, like Oh I love uh, those guys. I'm a big fan of them. I was I was really happy to see that like they got picked up by Shady Records. Oh definitely. Just because like man, like they they bring back some of that grimy, like grit, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like reminds me of like gangster rap, like East Coast gangster rap, like Wu Tang, like Mob Deep from like the nineties. Like yeah. I listen to that stuff too. And uh like they're they're a throwback in many ways to that era. So uh yeah, dude, I, I love what they're doing. You know what I'm saying. So those guys for sure. Uh, who else, man? Who else we've we been listening to? Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly just like stuff that's popping out of Atlanta. I got to say that. Uh, who's that? Dude, there's a, there's a guy that just came out. I just started listening to him. Like, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Like, I don't know if it's Triple X Tentation or if it's <laughs> X Tentation. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Me neither. <laughs> but, I don't even know too. <laughs> But I'm definitely rocking with like the stuff I heard from that dude. So uh he he's he's one I'm probably gonna like uh be bumping here like on the regular. So yeah, dude, it's a whole mess of stuff, man. I try to keep up with like what's cool in hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Don't wanna lose that because, uh, it's it's you know, it's been special to me.
0: Right. Yeah, you sent me this track that um that you did with um with Conway. Uh you know, talk about more about how that came about.
2: Oh man, so uh uh Like, I started producing and making beats and, like, releasing some stuff here and there on SoundCloud. And you would think with the amount of followers that I have on Twitter that, like, I might get some plays. Like, there might be some interest. Bro, nobody gave a damn. Like, and that's frustrating because, like, I could post a picture of me doing a moonsault and, you know, that's getting all the likes. You know what I'm saying? But then I post a track that I spent a lot of time on and that I'm passionate about and that I worked hard making this piece of art that like, uh, you know, like genuinely I'm proud of. And, and, uh,
1: uh,
2: nobody gives a damn about it. So I'm just like, dude, something's not right. Like I wasn't making music like to get fans and to get attention. Like I'm doing it for myself. Because it's what I enjoy doing, but right. at the same time, you know when you like put your heart and soul into something and there's like no response, like yeah, it's kind of a bummer, you know what I'm saying. So uh, I started thinking, I'm like, I gotta like do something that speaks to the wrestling fans, you know I gotta like bridge like my two worlds, like music and wrestling, because it's obvious that like the wrestling fans they only care about the stuff that I do when it's wrestling, right They don't really care about the music stuff, but maybe. If I can combine the two somehow, then maybe people will, like, listen to my beats and uh, help with my music a little more. So I was like, maybe let's just, like, start flipping old entrance themes and just, like, see how that works. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't know about you. Actually, what is your favorite, like, entrance theme of all time?
0: Oh, shoot. For you personally. Oh, man. Um... Dude, that's that's a toughie, man. Um Oh, give me like top three, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like, just name a couple. Um, I know what my answer is, but uh, I'm gonna hear yours. Well, I know uh, Stone Cold's is up there. That was always like a dope one. Um, yeah. I'm probably gonna forget. Uh, you always had Stone Cold's. You always had the um, the NWO theme, and yeah, then, classics, yeah. and then. Um, I always oh and I always love and I always loved like uh well, no let's go with it undertaker's theme that was always something hell that yeah. gives you chills and yeah definitely yeah th- those probably maybe like the only top three that stick out in my mind hell yeah man so for me personally my all-time favorite wrestling theme was gangrel
2: the brood that's the jam
1: oh Play yeah the theme, bro
2: yeah <laughs> so when I thought about all right let's start flipping wrestling themes for hip-hop beats the first one I'm trying to flip is my all time favorite wrestling theme. I'm like, we're going with Gangrel, like we're flipping that, and uh I did a couple variations of it, yeah, and uh the one I ended up sticking with is the one you hear on that beat for yam, and okay. uh I got a buddy out in Pittsburgh, where I'm from, Well, now he lives in New York, but he's a rapper and producer. His name's Yuri. He's also on that track, yeah, uh. That dude's super talented. I, I hope that, you know, he starts catching on as well. He's out there in New York trying to make a name for himself. So props to him. He's chasing the dream. But, uh, yeah, dude, he's got a crazy story. He's, like, he's an Eastern European kid from, like, Belarus. But, uh, yeah, he's living in Pittsburgh, but now he's in New York. And uh, he, he's just totally, like, DIY, man. He makes his own beats, mixes and masters his own his own tracks. He raps. Uh, dude, he he does it all, man. He's a one-stop shop and uh, somebody that I think is really talented and I got a lot of respect for. So, uh, like, he's somebody that I would often, like, go to and be like, yo, man, what do you think of this beat? Like, get his advice, you know, his, his two cents. Gave me some great uh, suggestions for the Yam beat. Uh, worked with me on it to make it better. And because, uh, okay. I mean... Again, music's expensive, bro. Like that, that dude, that dude, like he's got better VSTs than me, man. Like, <laughs> right. let's be real. Like, I, I'm I'm not the one to like go on a torrent site and get like bootleg versions of Massive or Serum or any like VST. I would rather just buy it and support, you know, the yeah. uh, the people that make it. That being said, yo, some of those synths and VSTs are super expensive. So, like, I can, like, do an 808 with what I got, but Yuri's got much better stuff than me. So I'll, like, I'll, I'll play him the melody. This is the sound that I want. Now use your <laughs> BSTs to make it sound even better because what I got ain't good enough, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not for what I'm trying to get out there. So that's kind of what happened with Yam. Like, uh, I think Yuri, the beat, he, uh, he made the bass knock a lot harder and – uh he did a verse, and then, uh, yeah, I, I hit up, like, one of my favorite rappers of today's generation, Conway, and uh, I sent him the beat, and I was like, yo, man, if you're rocking with it, I'd really love to have you on the track. And we worked it out, man, and uh, he murdered his verse, man. Just uh, it's a grimy little banger, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and it's got, like, a theme to it, too. If you listen to the, both of their verses, like, like what, what we're kind of talking about is just, like, kind of like the stress of like growing up, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure Conway, Yuri, and myself all like around the same age, uh, late twenties, you know, about to be 30 at the time when we put that track out. So like both verses, like kind of talk about that, like just how, how stressful and hard it is, you know, like growing up. Uh, I think like Conway has got a line on there in his verse where he says, uh, not even 30 and got grays in my waves. And, uh, Yuri calls back to that in his verse and says, not even 30 and got gray hairs in the man bun. And it's like,
1: (laughs) dude,
2: like that's that's how it is though, man. Like it's, it's hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like high school and even college to an extent really did not prepare me for adult life. Oh no. Right. I felt like, I felt like I had to learn all of that. Like, you know, in the moment, as things were happening, and it's like you know, it's, it's hard out here, man. It's stressful, and uh, I think that's just kind of like what we talk about in the in that track a little bit, just the struggles of like adult life,
0: you know. Definitely, no, it's a dope track. I was just listening to it before uh we got on the call. I uh, so yeah, def- it was definitely cool to hear the whole story about that. Yeah, Conway is definitely one of my favorites these days, man. It just like like you were saying, it's such a throwback to the the whole grimy era of uh, east coast hip-hop and like the dude can spit and he has a oh and his story's crazy too man like <laughs> the way his voice sounds is insane because
2: he, he, got, he got shot like multiple times and it paralyzed half of his face right so he kind of talks like this like a muffle yeah because like half half of the dude's face is legit paralyzed man and i just thought that was like an incredible story like he didn't let that slow him down you know like that dude almost died and uh he's still out here like chasing his dream making things happen and yo, know, like he found success him and his brother both like west side gun man like fly god like that dude to me is like one of the coolest cats out there as well like i do hope in the future like i can work some out and get
0: him on a track
2: but i don't know after that shady record deal they might be out of my price range
0: oh you know? <laughs> it's hard man yeah and those, and those guys are wrestling fans too man All their countless wrestling uh, references and their songs and everything
2: and, like, honestly, that was how I found out about them. like uh, years ago, they dropped that like Holland and Nash mixtape. yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And like, I mean, obviously, like, yo, know, it's it's cool anytime a rapper like uh, is gonna shout out pro wrestling to me, like that's like the type of thing that like helps wrestling become cool. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like uh, that that takes wrestling as this like nerdy thing that some people are like embarrassed to admit they like. Yo, but when you see all these rappers man whether it's Conway and West Side gun or Migos putting out a track called Scotty Too Hotty, it's like yeah you know when you got like rappers to me like rappers are always like gonna be like the coolest dudes you know what I'm saying like they're almost like the uh the ambassadors of what's cool yeah like uh <laughs> and when when they say pro wrestling's cool it's like to me it makes wrestling look cool to like the public you know what I'm saying so Anytime a rapper's like uh dropping some sort of wrestling reference in their track, in their album, whatever it may be, like I'm gonna listen just out of curiosity. So years ago, man, I started rocking with that Hall Nash mixtape and I loved it. Like like nonstop listening to it. And uh, I've just been a fan of their work ever since.
0: Definitely, definitely. All right, man. This has been great talking with you. I. Uh... You know, thanks for, you know, talking with me for the past hour about wrestling and music and stuff. Uh, where can uh, people find you online if they want to uh, follow you or buy some merch or, you know, anything in regards to DJZ?
2: Hell yeah. so follow me Instagram, Twitter, at IamDJZ. You can find everything you need to know on there. Like, uh, I got Paris and Keys store, uh, Paris and Keys, look up Zema Ion, Z-E-M-A. I-O-N. And uh, do check out my YouTube show I started doing. I haven't made any any new episodes since I'm hurt and not on the road wrestling, but uh, Fake Fights and Missed Flights, man, that's my little, like, vlog that I started doing on YouTube, (laughs) trying to get some more eyes on that. So, yeah, check that out. And uh, the music as well, SoundCloud at IMDJZ. I'll be releasing some more stuff. I got some more projects I'm, like, going to drop here in the near future. So be on the lookout for me.
0: Great, man. It's been great talking with you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Can't wait to see you back in the ring. Good luck with everything. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, man. You you have a good day.
2: Dude, you too, man. Thank you. I really appreciate
0: the interview. Good talking to you. All right, man. Hopefully, I'll see you at some sort of wrestling event somewhere in the near future.
2: Yeah, dude. uh, For sure. I don't know when I'll be back in Detroit. I I did some stuff with XICW a couple years ago. Right. Uh, I'd love to get back and do some stuff with them. So we'll see, man. Like hopefully sooner than later.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I make it out to some of the other things in the uh, in the Midwest, like AIW or AAW stuff like that. I've been. Oh,
2: dude. Let me know, man. I'm usually on like all the AIW and AAW shows nowadays. Right. So When I heal, like I'll definitely be out there. So yeah, dude. Please let me know, man.
0: We'd love to meet you. Definitely. Definitely. All right, man. You have a good day. You too, man. Take care. All right. Peace. Okay, that was my interview with djz he really shared a lot of great stories uh it was great to hear that he's doing well and his update on his injuries so let's get to the beats and body slams discussion part of the show and joining me is comic book and anime fan and detroit hip-hop artist one-fourth of clear soul forces the novelist how you doing man yo what's up man i'm doing good man how about you oh man i'm awesome man i'm awesome man i know you're happy man i know you're happy because your boy kushida won the best of the super juniors tournament in new japan pro wrestling how you feel about that hell
3: Hell yeah man um it's crazy because i actually i actually um i actually called him to win it too like uh before it started i just because he had um he lost, you know. He lost the belt to Takahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and then he had kind of, you know, he was, he had kind of had lost a couple matches, and and I just, uh, you know, and then like he won the Ring of Honor Television Title right right before, so I I, I just kind of I just thought it would be dope to see him like just come out of nowhere and win it, you know. And he just, you know, he just won it what, 2015,
1: so yeah,
3: it was dope to see him win it again. And the the last match was was crazy too so I'm glad I was I was super hyped when he won and it was a he actually made a dog ass comeback too man cause he was he started off and lost like a few matches in yeah. a row you know and then he he made like this crazy comeback and won that shit so
0: it was dope yeah man that uh yeah that finals match uh against uh Chris Os, um Will Os, not Chris Osprey, Will Osprey was uh yes. was, that shit was dope man that was that was a really good match
3: yeah, that yeah, that final match was nuts, man. Like it's it was it's one of the best matches of the year to me. I don't know what you know. I don't know what is gonna rate it, but <laughs> to me, it was five stars. But like, I always think it's way different if you if you see the match live instead of you know what I'm saying. If you see yeah. the match live instead of seeing it when people tell you how good it is and that you should go watch it, you know, because then when you watch it like that. You're kind of like expecting, you're expecting things, and then sometimes they don't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I saw the Omega Okada fight live. You know what I'm saying? So like, whenever, when it was like, when everybody's saying it like the greatest wrestling match, I was like, you know, yeah, it's one of the best <laughs> matches I've ever seen. You know, like I was, I was down, but I feel like people who heard that and then watched it, they didn't really get the same they don't get the same reaction as if you were to watch it live.
0: Right. The crazy thing is with, like, some of these matches, um, like, uh, you know, that involve someone like Ospreay and Kushida and everything, you know, people will, you know, might bitch and complain about, like, all the flips and shit like that. But there's a lot of good wrestling moves that actually go on, like actual headlocks and shit like that. Right. That go on in these matches. I, I just...
3: I just think people, I I don't, to me, I don't understand how you could not like that. Like, I think really? Will Osprey is super talented. Like, him and Ricochet have these, like, crazy-ass matches, and it's like, I just, if you're a fan of wrestling, I really don't understand how you could not appreciate that because it's like, it's just some stuff that not everybody can do, you know, and I think that just bothers some people because it's, 'Cause it's not something that maybe their favorite wrestler can do, so they're like, Oh, that shit's
0: that shit's stupid, you know. Right. I always kinda look at it as like that's some like superhero shit, man. If you're, yeah, like, I, if man, you're like I was just about to say that, like you watch these guys fight
3: and one thing I love is I love when, when Osprey and uh I mean Kushida and Osprey did it too, like they you know, they do that their crazy sequences and then they do the same where they they do the the handspring off the ropes and then they hit the backflip and they just kind of kneel down on one knee and they just look at each other. Right. And the crowd goes crazy. Like I love that shit. It's like <laughs> literally right. like two superheroes like fighting each other.
0: Like shit's it's, it's, it's crazy. Right, right, right. And with that um with that win at the Super Juniors, uh, Kushida um gets his uh his rematch basically against uh Hiroma Takahashi from uh Losing De Hopan uh at the upcoming uh Dominion um events for uh New Japan Pro Wrestling on uh June eleventh. Uh and that's already stacking to be a, a really dope event.
3: Oh yeah. That's a really I want him to win that. Obviously, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, and I really think that this is like Kenny Omega's time to finally win the championship too. So, yeah, we get to we, be, get to we get the rematch uh, between I mean, it's uh it to be a big night.
0: Yeah, we get the rematch between Kenny Omega and Kucha Okada um after, you know, one of the best matches ever at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and I think yeah, this could be this could be Kenny Omega's time, man, like he needs, uh, like, he he he's had such a crazy body of work in Japan, um, oh, man, ranging yeah. ranging from like the most the last two years. Yeah, his work the past two years has been crazy, and then he his his body of work in Japan has ranged from the most ridiculous shit ever, with right. uh, <laughs> 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 with fighting with uh, Koda Abushi in the forest, Kota Ibushi, and shit. <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> with to like having like one of the best matches like of all time um the past couple years you know he definitely stepped up to be one of the the greats in new japan and he'll go down as one of the greatest uh, wrestlers in japan of all time i think
3: definitely um yeah i'm a big kenny omega fan i've seen him go from you know doing the the funny shit you know what i'm saying so he's but I just, I love Kenny Omega because he's just, he's a wrestler, man. He's a, he's a professional wrestler. He's not like, you know, he's not one of these guys that cares about being like a brand and all this bullshit. Like, the guy is a character, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, <laughs> right? I just love watching him in the ring. Just, he's so, he just does things other people just don't do. Like, nobody... I've never seen somebody sell the Rainmaker like him, you know, ever. Right. Like, and I'm not the biggest fan of the Rainmaker, but when he takes it, it looks like he, like, dies. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, I kind of hit him with, like, a couple of Rainmakers in their match at, at Wrestle Kingdom, and looks like he kills him. He killed him, like, three times. It's, it's like, he's, like, he's just incredible. Like, little small shit, too. Like, when you watch Kenny Omega get whipped into a turnbuckle, it's it's, like, he actually looks like he got thrown into it. Like, some people just kind of run to it and they turn around. You know what I'm saying? Like, you watch Kenny Omega get thrown into a turnbuckle and it looks like somebody actually full force threw him into it and he, like, isn't in control of what's happening. Like, he just does little small stuff like that. Like, he's a really good wrestler.
0: Yeah. No, it's incredible the way he sells things. And... But then he's like, he always mixes in his weird character with that. Like what I loved at, yeah. uh, at, uh, the super juniors finals is like, he, um, he tagged with, um, Marty Skrull. Oh those, yeah. Marty. <laughs> those two together are so hilarious. Cause they're both they goofy are. as fuck. And, and like, I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, these two are just like, they're, their cockiness during that. That match was so hilarious. I'm like, I yeah, I, was, I love seeing these guys good. together. I love seeing these guys together, man. Like, <laughs> right.
3: Marty was definitely a good, a good pick for uh Bullet Club for
0: sure. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I was a fan of his before, but now he's a part of the Bullet Club. Like, I love that guy. He's like, he's like my favorite in uh, Ring of Honor right now. He has, right. he has such a great gimmick. I love his entrance music. I love everything about him. It's, it's so hilarious. I love, I love the umbrella. I really want a Bullet Club umbrella. I hope these right. selling those, man. We yeah. we need those, and all of it. All of his matches, like I I watched a lot of his matches during the whole Super Juniors, and a lot of those matches were really fun to watch with him.
3: Yeah, Marty is. It took me a while. He he's I'm not, he's grown on me. I'm not like the biggest Marty fan, but I do. Like just because I'm not a fan of somebody doesn't mean I don't like appreciate. You know, I think right. he's a good wrestler. I think his character is awesome. Like I. I appreciate him man. everything that he does. You know, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely, like, super talented dude. And um, he's had a big year, too, man. Like, you know, he won, uh, last year he won Battle of Los Angeles. Now he's, he's Ring of Honor Television Champion. He debuted in Japan. So, you know, I always look at, I'm a huge fan of New Japan, and I have been for, like, a really long time. So, I always look at when the indie guy, is in New Japan, like, I feel like that's, like, their, that's, like, the stamp of approval. Like, this, you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy is, he's the real deal and shit. Like, that's why I love seeing Ospreay, you know, succeed over there. They love him. They love him in Japan. Yeah. You know? So, I like seeing him succeed over there. I liked, the, uh, I love seeing uh, Sabre Jr. join the Suzuki Gun. That was, <laughs> that, was so like,
0: that was dope. That was dope. That was dope. That was dope.
3: I love seeing uh I love seeing those indie guys hit it hit it hit it up in Japan so.
0: Right, right, right. I uh, you know what? I and I, I noticed this on one of the, the days of the Super Juniors and it was so hilarious to me is that the the women in the audience just love all the Los and Gabernobales guys. Like when oh, they come out, when they come out, man, you when, hear them screaming. You can hear them screaming <laughs> their names and shit. Dude, it was crazy, man. I'm like, I was like, holy shit. I'm just like looking. Like they're in Kirk and Hall, and I'm like, it's just like, whoa, man. They're panning out to the to the crowd and everything, and the women were just like, yeah, they they they, they do. They love Sonata. They love Bushi. They love NATO, man. I was like. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, that's
3: funny. You ever <laughs> seen that? Uh, I haven't seen him, but there's always that. You ever seen that little boy that always has the bushy mask on?
0: Yeah, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah. I did see him. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love that little kid, man. That kid trashed me up. Yeah, I like, I'm a fan of them too, man. I think Naito's going a little crazy with, you know, trashing the belt, but. <laughs>
1: <That's>, it's it's <laughs> but a funny thing, though, mad. man, because he keeps on yeah. saying
0: that he wants he wants that uh, that, that title dissolved, so he just, yeah, you know, he's, just beat it up and everything. And, that bitch. And he that And he, it's like, it's broken now and everything. He, so, he
3: actually literally broke it. Like, he <laughs> broke a plate off of that bitch. Like, that's unbelievable.
0: As, oh, my God. It's incredible, man. So I was like, I'm like wondering where they're going with that. But, like, uh, at uh, Dominion, you know, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi has come back yeah. from his uh, little injury that he's had. And... Um, they're gonna. He's gonna be challenging for the Intercontinental Title against Naito. Uh, so that's gonna be a dope match. We already know because Tanahashi's always brings it, you know. And he's he's always he's been one of the greatest. Yeah, that's gonna be greatest guy That's gonna be there. a good one for sure. That's gonna be a good one. For I wish.
3: Sure. Um, I really wish. I'm a big fan of uh, Koto Bushi. You know, playing the Tiger Mask, Tiger Mask W character. I wish he would. I wish they would do more with him. He actually had a really good match with Okada at. Um, Oh man, I can't remember what it was. It might have been—I uh, don't know, man. Was it, it was at the anniversary uh, shit? The show that they do, and um, Tiger Mask Abushi uh, had like a really good match with Okada. I just wish they would do more with him. I think, um, I think, but, I, I think
0: Kota Abushi just likes kind of like—he
3: likes just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. He likes like just being like, free, just, like doing the is weird how shit. He is, man, that dude is. Crazy as hell.
0: Right, man like last time I saw him, like a few months ago, he was lighting fireworks off at shooting people. the
3: damn fire <laughs> <laughs> the fireworks <laughs> off his chest outside. Like, standing what? on top of a damn car. I saw that video. I was like, What the hell? That dude is crazy as fuck.
0: Like oh Yeah,
3: and I mean
1: <laughs>
0: Like, you know, he's crazy, yeah, he's like, like man, like but he just likes kinda doing his own little weird shit, you know, so Right. And I guess he's hey, fine man. with it, man. He I don't know he 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 must he must live well, man. Just to you know be able to do right. all that, man.
3: Do whatever he wants. And um, sure. um.
0: <laughs> and uh, also at a Dominion coming up, uh, they have the never open weight title match with uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Hiroki Goto. Um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of Suzuki, man, did you happen to see that Tokyo Dome? Empty Tokyo Yeah, though, the Magic? Empty, I watched that shit. <laughs> <laughs> for DDT? That shit was
3: crazy as hell.
0: <laughs> that was, I was, la- man, I was laughing my ass off because it was like, it was just every once in a while, just the most random shit, would, like, person would come up. Right. For no reason. That shit was, that shit was hilarious. The funniest part, was... they were in that, like, stairwell, and that fat guy came up, and... <laughs> 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 I can't even get it out right now because it's so hilarious. It was he started so, like it he started, was
3: like super awkward, man. He you know?
0: started pushing Suzuki, and he wouldn't even turn around. He like started pushing was, him again.
3: Uh, wouldn't even turn around. That shit was definitely funny as hell. Suzuki <laughs> was, and you know, and I like It's just man. I miss I just miss Shibata so much, man. Like he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world too. Man, and I really wish. Right. For a long time, I was hoping that it was an angle, you know what I'm saying, that it was a work. But like now, I'm pretty sure that he's like might not ever wrestle
0: again, and that's like sad. I man, I was always scared of that man with him, man, because dude, I don't know why he like literally, bro. And I love his style. Like
3: I've been a fan of his like years, but I can't, I cr- I can't even watch him headbutt people. Like I look away. This shit is like disturbing
0: you know what i'm saying right it's, man those those disturbing. headbutts always like, scared like the that. shit out of me i was like dude yeah, it's and cuz it's, it's not even it's not even
3: a it's not even like a head on nose it's like a skull on skull headbutt like you know what i'm saying right like this shit is just ridiculously dangerous man like and i miss him cuz i feel like the the never open way scene is kind of missing something now you know what I'm saying like I mean I, I like to I, I would actually I would actually like for somebody like you know uh maybe Sabres Jr. or somebody get in there and get that built um I do think uh, I did did you see the? um they're doing the United States title thing now yeah yeah I think that's kind of cool. uh Jay Lethal was one of my favorite wrestlers. I'd love to see him like wrestle in Japan more so that would Yeah,
0: be they're going to be doing that two uh that two-day uh event out in uh Long Beach, uh California. Yeah, I wish I could up. go to this. <laughs> and um there's been there's been Japanese companies that's tried this before, but the problem was they'd always send like their their second-string talent and yeah, not right, everybody. Exactly. And that would and it wouldn't be the people that people actually wanted to see. But for this, they're actually, you know, bringing the people that people want to see. And this is going to be the first right. time that uh, Kenny Omega is going to be. Uh, Has been in the states in, in, a in long the states time. in a long time. You know, so that's just that that's big. Just that, just just with that, you know, because right. only time he's been in North America is to do the Canadian dates. And, yeah, he's usually not here ever. Right, you know. So that's dope, man. I'm, and every and every time every time uh Ring of Honor comes around here, I'm always like kicking myself. I'm like, ah I should have went to the Toronto date, man. Uh ah, should have gone to the Toronto Date. Kenny was yeah, there. Yeah,
3: see that's that's what I did, man. Like this year I didn't even think about it. I went to the um, you know, I went to the one that was here, but I really should have just went to Toronto 'cause and you know, I kinda felt like the card. I was looking at all the cards for War of the Worlds and I just felt like the Michigan one was like the shittiest one. Oh you know? they always like they always has, do that.
0: They always do that to us, man. Like and it's, <laughs>
3: it's whack. Like it, and it had mad everybody that I wanted to see was on the card, you know, but it was just the matches. You know, it was a lot of tag matches. Like there's they like they Lethal that. versus Kushida was at I think Philly maybe. And and it's like Damn, you know those are two of my favorite wrestlers in the fucking world. I would have like freaked out if I would have got to see them fight each other. But instead, we get Jay Lethal and Tanahashi versus you know Ray Rowe, and and uh, Hanson is like that's dope. But it was like it would have been so much better to see like those guys in one on one, you know.
0: Yeah, and we never get the actual
3: fight Tanahashi, and he was and he teamed up with him instead.
0: Yeah, we never actually get the cool, uh, like the cool actual uh, uh, matches here for uh, ROH. Right. It's always sort of like, like the
3: we got a dog ass main event though, you know. But that was really it. Yeah, like mm- uh, the, the the tag with um, it was a uh, who was that? it? That was Osprey. It was uh, it was uh, chaos pretty much versus. Bullet Club, that match
0: was sweet. Right, yeah. They always kind of like the past few ones that I've been to. They always had like really cool, like Bullet Club, sort of themed oriented like main events, and those were always cool. With right. That um. But aside from that, yeah. Sometimes we get those like, like tour the 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 tour oriented matches throughout the card, like the road right. to whatever, where they just kind of it's like a. Just a random shakeup of of everything.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not really a huge, I'm not really a huge fan of those kinds of kinds of matches of like fifty man tag matches. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But, like and then, in, and then it was like, man, we got a Naito, and he Naito fought uh Punishment Martinez, like, and that match was actually really good, but right, it's just like, man, you could have had. You know, you could have had you could have had Naito and like Bobby Fish or night. You know what I'm saying? You could have had. So I just think they could have did some better matchups, but
0: whatever, man. Yeah, coming up at uh, Dominion also, the um both of the the tag the IWGP Tag uh, belts will be uh, be on the line. Uh, Barada and Rocky Romero, Rapongi Vice. Um, the champs for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight, they're going against the Young Bucks. And then uh, the IWG IWGP Tag Team Champs, the um, War Machine, will be going against uh, Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, those, should, those should be fun. I always like seeing uh, War Machine. Uh, to me, they're a fun tag team. Oh, I,
3: love, I, I was, yeah, I love War Machine, man. I was, I've seen uh, Ray Rowe live a couple times at uh, AIW in yeah. you know, Ohio. He's, He's a good wrestler, man. So, I like seeing them. Like I said, I like seeing the the indie guys succeed in Japan. I think it's dope. But I do want to see the Young Bucks get their belts back. Though I'm a big Young
1: Bucks.
0: I somehow, like, I don't, like, this will never happen anytime soon just because the way things are with WWE, WWE and everything. But I wish, like, we could, like, the... They could get like a weekend pass or something. So we can. I want to see the revival go against War Machine. Oh, that
3: that <laughs> would be yeah, that would be fantastic. I want to see those
0: tag. those two tag teams go against each other, man. Revi- revival versus War Machine. I think that would be such a fun.
3: That would be a really good match.
0: That'd be such a fun fun tag team, man. And it's funny right. that on um uh, on the the Being the Elite show that the Young Bucks do, that Cody Rhodes is always, like, doing the fuck the revival thing. The fuck (laughs) the revival shit.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that shit's funny, man. And uh, I like like watching that shit, because I just like seeing people, you know, outside of, you know, it's just like you see, like, a, a rapper or something that you like, you know, doing regular shit, but... I really want to see Young Bucks versus Revival too. I think that would be a good ass match too. Oh, Revival man. is a very good, they're really good tag team man. So it would be dope to see them. But I still think I still think Young Bucks are the best, best in the world though.
0: Right, right, right. No, they no, and let's see. Like if you agree with this, like especially at the uh, the last ROH uh, show, like when you see like Cody Rhodes like in person, live in person. He has like such a like a big personality about him. I always he does, like like sure. when he's in the Definitely. ring it, it's like you're like oh when shit. He, uh... It's like he it's like he has such a big like there's like, like there's such that like Rhodes family aura that's around them all, you know. Definitely. That like, sure. and I'm glad to see the stuff that he's doing now um because like they, like WWE just totally dropped the ball constantly with him and i love him
3: and and he but i like him uh ever since he started you know doing the hill thing i think that's really put him over to you know as a as a as a top uh player and and yeah. runner cuz he when he first you know when he first hit the Indies, you know he was like pretty much doing the the baby face thing like trying to trying to gain the respect on the indie scene and shit cuz he Pretty much he you know he's wrestling royalty he came from the Rose family, so right this is like his his first time you know grinding it out on on some indie shit, and I think he's doing a you know a really good job so definitely definitely he definitely has that family personality cool, cool
0: all right before we uh we wind down the segment there's uh something I wanted to uh ask you, and this is something I'm gonna ask you every time we do the segment, but maybe uh in future segments we might have more time to uh, talk about it but the novelist let me ask you this what are the the current comic books or anime that you are currently uh viewing these days oh, all right uh well,
3: current current
0: stuff uh
3: anime currently watching uh dragon ball super obviously um <laughs> My Hero Academia is another show that I'm really into. It's the newer Shonen anime. Love that one. And um, I'm watching uh, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans. That's the three, the three animes that I'm watching right now. Comic-wise, I'm uh, reading um, the Darth Darth Maul series. It's actually done by... Marvel and it's, and its shit is, is like I'm a huge Star Wars fan and um right it's just, it just kind of tells the story of uh, what Maul was kind of getting into before, uh, episode one so it's it's really dope man like it's it's dope as hell and uh, reading that and the newest Iron Fist series that came out is way better than uh, like years and years ago there was the uh, the immortal Iron Fist which was the like, the, the best Iron Fist, like, series ever. It's pretty old. It came out, like, maybe 2010, something like that. I can't remember exactly when it came out, but... Yeah. This is the one that's out now. It's only, like, it's a couple issues in, and it's, and it's the best one that's came out since. It's like, you know, they didn't try to do too much. It just takes on, like, the classic kung fu tournament. It kind of has that, like, Game of Death, Bruce Lee vibe, so that one is uh, it's dope. So those are the... Two comic book series that I'm reading
0: right now. Word, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not, I'm not currently viewing any anime series, but I, uh, I have been picking up some uh, comic books recently. I really do like. Um, I've always kind of, I don't, I kind of go in and out with comics, but I always right. kind of like those like grim fairy tale ones, like Wonderland. Oh yeah, I know it's just, Yeah, and stuff like that. So I'll pick up like some of those. But what I just started reading is like, there's a new, um, Electra series. Uh, okay. you ju- they just started. Um I'm cu- um there's like four um there's four issues that they've done already. I've I've gotten the first two. And so I'm pretty pretty dope thus far. I kind of like all the like the Daredevil and Elektra st- type stuff. So yeah. I try to uh yeah. go They're, ahead and uh, Daredevil read... and Elektra are dope. Yeah, I try to read a lot of those. I've been kind of going back and um I read I read like a few like um like things from back in the 80s and shit like that. Um right. but um yeah, this new series that uh, they just came out—it's uh, pretty dope. Uh, so uh, I'm continuing to read that, um, and uh, yeah, that's about it for right now. Uh, but yeah, I'm like—I always check out those like grim fairy tale ones. Those are always kind of interesting to me. Yes, sir. Those uh, stuff is good, man. Like you said, reading stuff from the from the '80s and stuff is always.
3: It's always dope because you know most of the time that's 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 the source material for like the shows and the movies that we're getting now. Yeah, you know, so it's always dope to to see see how I was originally.
0: Right, 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 All right. Novelist, it's been a uh, good talking with you. I uh, where can they um, where can people find your stuff online?
3: Yo, uh, uh, you follow me on Twitter, man. At the novelist T H C N O V E L I S S um facebook novelist and uh you can get all my music and download all my stuff uh novelist.bandcamp.com just put out a new ep called dylan instinct so check that out man
0: cool man cool man thanks for uh thanks for chatting with me this week uh have a nice day and uh see you soon
1: all right brother Fresh, is the word.